Good afternoon now. <laughs> 12 o'clock exactly. Welcome to Enterprise 304, uh, Fueling Migration, Shortcutting the Application Portfolio Process. I know that uh, this is one of the last sessions of the, the whole entire conference, so thank you for coming. I will say if you have a flight at 1.30 or 2, you're not going to make it. So uh, you know, if, you have to, if you have to go, we'll, we'll understand we won't take it personally. Matter of fact, we'll make up the excuse that that's the reason why you left and it wasn't because of us. Uh, with me up here is Eric Winter. Uh, Eric and I are part of AWS Advisory Services. We're part of professional services. Uh, our, our job is to uh, advise executives on uh, the patterns that we see in the, in the industry. And we're joined by Dwayne Smith from Cardinal Health. He's an enterprise architect. One of the things to expect from this session, so we're telling you this up front so that if you don't think that you want to learn this, you're free, to, you're free to leave, just like they tell you on the airplane. If your final destination is not Chicago, you need to get off the plane now. Um, you know, there's really two patterns that we, that we see. We see the large enterprise patterns, very, uh, very structured, and very, uh, very uh, it, long, uh, it has a long, a long time to, to cycle, and then we see shortcuts around the way that enterprises are going about their portfolio and their cloud opportunity analysis. And that's really what we're up here to tell you is, you know, Eric's going to share some of the, some of the enterprise uh, patterns that we, that we see, and then uh, Dwayne's going to actually sh talk about the uh, shortcuts that we found when we were working together to accelerate that, that cloud adoption. Absolutely. So, you know, overall today, though, the goal is to show you something that's completely usable. This isn't theory. This is supposed to be executable strategy that you're going to be able to take back to your organization, and you're going to be able to pick up and use yourself um, and that's why really Dwayne's here is to, is to prove that, you know, this is not just theory, this is executable strategy that, that, that he used inside his organization to jumpstart his cloud, his cloud strategy. Um, and of course, he's also the author of many of the little brilliant pieces that we're, that we're going to show here and how to, how to bucket your applications. And then just a real quick level set of where this fits in the, in the whole uh, scheme of the migration factories as you're, as you're evaluating the way that you're going to move to AWS. Uh, really, we've broken down the migration framework into, into just five steps uh, where you're going to, you know, the first part is understanding your, your current estate, uh, evaluating your opportunity, planning and discovery. We're going to fall just short of telling you all of the technical details on the deep dive of the application process. Uh, so, you know, as you're going through a portfolio assessment and you want to get deep on the very finite requirements of each application, that's not this presentation. We're not going to get that deep. But what we are going to do is, is give you some other sessions that will butt up to ours that, that, will, that will show you that. Um, with that said, this isn't a 100-level presentation about, you know, uh, just evaluating your current opportunity. We're going to give you, we're going to get pretty deep on the strategies that you can use to, um, to accelerate your process and accelerate your transformation. And then we're going to give you some other sessions and some other strategies uh, around these other three, three boxes, the uh, uh, three, four, and five that, that will, uh, that, that you can, uh, well, now you can't see them because we're at the end of the conference, but you'll be able to play those back on, on video later. So Eric, you're going to start with the patterns that you see in the enterprise. Absolutely. So as we look at, uh, so we've been working with organizations, enterprises, large and small, to make mass migrations, adoption at scale, 
moving large sections of application portfolios into AWS. We've been doing this for years. So we've come up with a lot of common adoption patterns that we see large enterprises take as they start to adopt AWS. Uh, and this will really address two things that I think were critical in Dwayne and Cardinal's health uh, journey uh, in jump-starting their strategy, which were uh, there, there has to be support from the business or from the application owners, and how do you gain that support? And then the second piece is, uh, in order to be successful from a migration or a cloud adoption perspective, you have to have a healthy pipeline of uh, applications that are prioritized towards meeting a business objective or a driver. Uh, and, and that's really where uh, kind of my portion of this presentation is going to be, is more of the typical patterns of success and adoption that we see across large enterprises. So uh, as, we, as we go forward, you'll see kind of, we'll, we'll lay it out in kind of two very uh, straightforward flavors, which is large patterns of enterprise adoption, and then the shortcut that we've been able to derive to gain both support from the application owners as well as create uh, business-driven uh, candidate uh, uh, pipeline. So to set the stage here, this is a this is a typical kind of four stage uh, stages of adoption that we see large enterprises undergo as they start to adopt the cloud. And if you, you've probably seen this at some other sessions uh, while you've been here this week, but really just a high level that first stage, that project stage, we see enterprises really start to understand if cloud is a feasible solution for their organization. They might start out with one or two use cases, maybe a POC, really starting to see how this whole cloud thing works. As they, as they do that and they realize that there is some value to be gained from cloud adoption, the foundation stage allows them to start to make some very purpose-driven investments in their organization. And that's purpose-driven from a technology perspective, from building out a landing zone on AWS to securing it properly. Also, but uh, the, the operational side of that. So how are we going to run day two operations? What are the stages and processes that we need to use to migrate a portion of our estate into AWS? And all this is kind of really to get to that migration stage. And we call it migration, but it's actually adoption at scale. So however you need to adopt the platform to drive towards that business objective, by the time you hit that migration stage, we want you to be sure that you are both technically and operationally uh, mature enough to do that at your own pace. The reinvention stage up there at the top is kind of a, a cyclical stage, if you will. So it's, it's optimization of processes and technologies and the way that you leverage cloud services. So you see, you kind of kind of reinvent the way that you both deliver and consume IT services. And we see this kind of take place for two business drivers mainly. It's the reduction of technical debt, which is most what most organizations start with, which is how can I drive huge cost out of my environment and the way that I operate it and maybe get out of the data center business is what most of our customers are telling us. But the other path is that innovation path, which is how do I drive more agility into my business? How do I create new market offerings? How do I get them to, to market faster and maybe even capture a new market segment? So Eric, great patterns, but we have the shortcuts. <laughs> and this is reflected by my spirit animal, Ruben, from the movie Road Trip. It's supposed to be a secret. That's why they call it a shortcut. If everyone knew about it, it'd just be called the way. It sounds like you have the way that everyone knows about, but we're going to also talk about some shortcuts, right? Absolutely. So just, just to level set some of the ways that we see organizations adopting cloud services. I mean, this is typically the first, the first thing that attracts an organization to adopting cloud services, and this is really driving the cost out of IT. However, this kind of operates on the law of diminishing returns, so you keep taking a percentage out of a smaller and smaller number, you're obviously driving down towards zero. Really, where the real value comes in is being able to apply some of those savings back into the business to drive innovation, to create new market offerings, to create uh, areas and opportunities for experimentation. And the, if you want to click to the next slide. 
This is, this is really what drives that type line, top, top line revenue, makes customer impacts, and it drives the ability to, to uh, meet future business need or need that you haven't been able to meet with on-premises technologies. But the true value of cloud adoption really comes with, the, with organizations that experience both of these uh, adoption trends at the same time. So being able to increase top line revenue and drive out the operational cost obviously creates greater agility uh, and, and a tighter operating model, a uh, tighter operating margin, excuse me. So you're going to have these patterns where in the known pattern is driving costs down, right? A lot, of, a lot of companies are moving to AWS to drive costs down. But the secret is to also innovate and drive top-line revenue also. And when you combine those, you come up with shortcut number one, which is leverage innovation as a catalyst for cost reduction. So, Dwayne, can you give some examples of why, why this is actually a shortcut and we're just not making this up? You've actually done this at Cardinal Health, right? And you've used this strategy. Yeah, correct. So I guess just to kind of introduce Cardinal and what we do, um, if you look at our slide, we're, we're a large enterprise like many large enterprises, right? We have over 37,000 employees, 21 in the Fortune 500, $100 billion revenue. We're a large enterprise. And as a large enterprise, making changes, making adjustments and strategy and direction, small margin business we're very methodical in decisions that we make. We're very methodical in how we approach change and adjustments in our organization. And so for us, moving to the cloud, we started a year and a half ago, and really the question was, why cloud? And we spent so much time explaining and educating and teaching our organization and our executives and leaders what cloud was, why it made sense. And we got to that point where we said, okay, well, we see why cloud, but the real question is, how do we do it how do we actually migrate applications to the cloud? So we set principles up for our organization in regard to our strategy. One was we wanted to use native services where possible. We wanted to look at opportunities where we would take um, real applications and consider them, determine where do they fit from a migration perspective. And then we looked at opportunities to bring in new environments or applications into our environment. So we kind of set these core principles. Native first, we wanted to use native services. We wanted to use things that were cloud ready. And then there were some other things that we just thought not going to fit in the cloud at all. So that's kind of where we started in our journey. We wanted to understand the question how. And so as we look at our, our next slide, after we determined that the cloud made sense, why, we figured out how. We went and I worked with, uh, in fact, oh, we went too fast. Go back. Oh. <laughs> I work with this guy here, uh, Ryan, and we really talked about these two questions. What could our total cloud opportunity be? Because we're a large org organization, large enterprise, and then how quickly can we figure that out? Because we're not going to spend months in time analyzing all of our portfolio. We had over 12, 1,300 applications. How could we figure out how to do that quickly without spending a ton of time and resource to do that? And so what we came up with was... Now I can show it. Now you can show it. I was just excited. <laughs> Thanks. He was ready to get to the good part. So what we did was we, we actually took... You want to say something? There? I was going to ask you. So it seems like you were taking the, the, the common enterprise approach to cloud adoption, which was let's focus on the cost that we can drive out of IT. Right? How can we operate our environment more, more efficiently and drive those operational and maybe some of those cost burden, uh, those hardware utility costs out of the, out of the picture? Um, 
I think you were kind of thrust into a situation that most enterprises experience, but you guys turned it around and kind of leveraged it as a way to drive innovation, yeah. leverage new services, and maybe touch on a market segment. I don't know if you want to touch on that. Sure. Touch on that briefly. Yeah. So as a, as a part of kind of what Eric highlighted there, we actually had an opportunity. Again, large scale organization. We had a merger, an acquisition, like many companies do. And what it did was it pushed us into a point where we needed data center footprint, we needed infrastructure applications and services in countries where we had no data centers. And that opportunity to, to, to provide innovation was a driver for us to leverage the cloud. So we did the analysis as we normally would, infrastructure, build data center, or take an innovative approach, leverage AWS, build out a new data center. So that innovative approach really allowed us to step our foot into the water, so to speak, on running production workloads in the cloud. But what that also did was it also spurred more discussion about, hmm, this innovation actually enabled us to save some money. So that was a big piece. So that total, that, that really motivated us as an organization to see how can we do this across our entire footprint. And so we came up really with uh, these four bucketizations or categories that we came up with to to really identify what our application portfolio looked like. So we had, like I mentioned, 1,300 or so applications. We created these four buckets and really said, for example, for native, SaaS and native, if it's a microservice application, if it's API driven, fault tolerance built in, we're gonna call that native. It can run in the cloud. We may be running it on premise today, but we can run that in the cloud without much challenge. But then we flip to the other side and say eligible. Well, these are environments that we classified as, if they're running a VMware today or virtualized today, and if they have a friendly licensing model, meaning that we're not constrained by, by license of hardware, why can't that not run into the cloud? Why can't we move that? So we took all of our applications and really broke them down in these four buckets, and we spent about two weeks to come up with this and take those 12, 1,300 applications through this process to bucketize them. And the result, if you turn to the next slide, is what we found was we had a series of about six application categories. We had some custom developed applications, uh, it was a little over 250. And we had some commercial COTS application, which is the bulk of them, over, you know, almost 400. So the question was, once we classified these categories, what, what does that provide for us? And so as we look at the next slide, what we did is we broke those down and we identified where we thought the targets would be. And our real opportunity here was to be able to take back to our executive leadership in a short order, where should we be targeting our efforts to migrate to the cloud? So that was our first uh, question that we wanted to answer. So Dwayne, you had a lot of information here and it looks like you were able to move through that in two weeks, which is an incredible amount of speed for that many applications and putting them in the, in the buckets. As I remember, you at Cardinal had just gone through a, 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 a big process of modernizing your CMDB, updating it, keeping it, um, uh, making sure it was up to date with the current the current information. So you were you were I won't call you fortunate. You're a really smart guy, but you know you were you were fortunate to be able to leverage that that good data. Eric, I know that we walk into a lot of customers that that's just not the case. Maybe it's a new CIO and the last one wasn't wasn't as as good at documentation and uh, leveraging that CMDB, or maybe they've done a lot of mergers and acquisitions and have many different CMDBs. They have a hard time finding that information. Yeah. How are organizations uh, that aren't as fortunate as, as Dwayne was with with the way that Cardinal runs their IT business? No, uh, yeah, how, how, yeah, what are some of the patterns they're using? The common adoption pattern, I mean, to your point, most organizations either haven't put in the legwork for this purpose, or they're just not, they just don't have the information in their CMDB, an asset management tool. Most enterprises 
requires is uh, procure the services of potentially a systems integrator. You know, the Accentures or the CSCs have tools and services and methodologies they can use to give you that comprehensive view. Uh, there are more technology-driven partners, both agent-based and agentless-based services that you can leverage, risk networks, RACIMI, to kind of get you an, that overview of your estate. And then lastly, a plug for us is the AWS actually has a discovery service tool that you can use as well. So regardless of the state of your CMDB or your asset management tracking, there are ways that you can get at least a high-level and comprehensive view of your organization so you can do some of the, the breakdown that Dwayne and Cardinal Health did. So the big ta-da of this is, boom. So we saw 87% of our applications in our portfolio, we classified as being cloud eligible or better. So that was, we can take 87% of that 12, 1300 applications moving to the cloud. That sounds really good. We were excited to see that and actually breaking them down into how we felt the level of difficulty would be if it was native, not as difficult, eligible, more difficult, more work. But the, the real gist of it was now we could focus in on what targets and where we wanted to focus from a migration perspective. So did this large percentage of applications, did that get you excited? Did it get your executives excited? What, what was the reaction of that? Well, it didn't quite get our executives excited. But um, the reality was they wanted to know how much does it cost and how do you do it? So if you tell me I can move 87% of my environment, my application portfolio, to the cloud. How and how much? So to do that, I showed you something that you used, right? Yeah. So this is a cool tool. So that they, Amazon Web Services provided these six R's, and you've probably seen it several times throughout the uh, reInvent this week. But these, really four of them that we use, the rehost, lift and shift, re-platform, re lift and reshape, and repurchase, drop and shop, I love that one, and then also refactor and rewrite. We actually took all of those buckets of applications and we classified them according to those four. We used the four R's. We didn't use the, the other two. Um, what's the other two? Retire retain, retain. and retain. We mm -hmm. didn't use those so much. But the point was we used those four, classified all our applications, and that really helped us identify something related to cost and time and effort. I know you didn't use retire as uh, one of your cycles, but that is the quickest and my favorite uh, AWS migration pattern. Yeah, it doesn't retire. generate much revenue, though. It doesn't generate. <laughs> I said it's mine, not my executive, <laughs> for sure, yes. Uh, you know, so one of the things that we, that we had to do was, you know, even though we aligned the buckets to the cloud migration patterns, we had to assign some kind of cost factor to this, right, that would give you a ballpark estimate of, how, of, of your total opportunity, right? So we really did that across three categories, time, cost, and agility. And if you line up these migration, migration factors across those three factors, the time and cost to migrate is, is an inverse relationship to the cost to operate and the agility. So meaning if you rehost or lift and shift applications, it's a pretty balanced approach. You're, it's going to take you a little bit of time. It's going to take you a little bit of cost to migrate. And you're going to get some efficiencies on the cost to operate and some uh, additional agility than what you would normally run it, uh, maybe in an on-premise mode of, or where it's coming from. If you go on down that migration complexity slider uh, and go to more of a replatform or a refactor, you'll see it's going to take you more time, relatively speaking, and it's going to cost you more, relatively speaking, to the other to the other uh, migration paths. And it's a little bit different of a skill set, to be honest, too. Uh, you know, doing a refactor is more of a developer-type res uh, resourcing pool than it is a uh, lift and shift is more of an admin, uh, server admin-type type migration. 
but you're you're going to get dividends paid off of that, but your cost to operate and your agility is going to go up. Um, so it's, it really is about how much you want to invest up front and how much you want to reap those rewards in the back. And I think we see, Eric, a lot of customers taking a rehost or lift and shift approach first and then move down that chain uh, as, as they migrate and as they understand their, their portfolio a little better. Absolutely. So as we applied these cost factors to the buckets from the migration pass, we start to come to a little bit of a conclusion here, right? So you start to have a little bit of a layer cake of what each one of these buckets is going to is going to make up. Uh, cloud, cloud, not now. It's going to be more of a retained pattern. Uh, you're, you're not going to move it now. Eligible. It's going to have a large amount of rehost because, it, as you, I think you mentioned, Dwayne, you know, that was a large VMware x86 approach, but it didn't have. It maybe wasn't a 12-factor app, or it wasn't using an API-first design. So it doesn't really lend itself maybe to a, a full a full replatform or a, a full refactor approach um, immediately upon upon cloud migration. So you start layering these things in and start and start applying some cost metrics to those, and and really just to to reiterate how important the post-rehost cost reduction opportunity is and how much of an opportunity that, that our customers tell us uh, that they're saving after a like-for-like -like lift and shift or a rehost. Uh, most customers are saving a bit of money when they rehost their applications into AWS, but really as you drill down further from that and you right-size your, your infrastructure based on utilization instead on, on, of on thin provisioning, and you do that across your production, test, staging, uh, in non-prod environments, and maybe even turn off your test and, and dev or not have a test and dev at all until you need it and spin those systems up. Uh, that we're really seeing a, a big savings, a 20 to 40% savings off that total cost, cost of ownership um, with that right sizing of infrastructure. And the same reason for licensing too. You have, you, you're paying for licensing even if you have an ELA. Uh, you're still re-upping at some point uh, based on the, 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 the utilization across those environments. And so less licensing, less environments, uh, less servers, less infrastructure, less less cost on that too, right? Um, and then you get to you get to optimize architecture and optimize op operations, and then down even further than that, Dwayne. But what was your experience with this with this list as you walked through it? Yeah, so as we leverage this opportunity, what we found is you're not going to get all of the savings, right? So what we found is. You, they're kind of levers that you can pull that you have available at your disposal. So if you're going to do a rehost and you're just going to take an application, move it. The, the real opportunity is you get some savings by being in AWS, maybe you shut down a resource. But when you go back and optimize your architecture, in our environments we have pride, stage, dev, QA. Well, if you architect it effectively, do you really need a QA? Do you need a dev that runs 24-7? So these are real opportunities for us to, to get the environment to the cloud, rehost it, but then refactor it as we got there. So we could see some of that optimization by architecting the application and environment differently. So you don't get all those savings in one big lump sum, but they're levers that you can use to drive efficiencies in your environment. So do I finally get to show <laughs> what your executives got excited about? Sure, right away. Yeah. So as we went through our portfolio, you can see we have a moderate, and an opportunistic view of what the potential savings would be, one over five years, the other would be over a three-year period. And when we say moderate, what we were doing from a moderate perspective is we recognize that we, we make investments year after year after year. So we have contract agreements, we have hardware in place, we have data center floor space in place. All these things take time, but we also do tech refreshes. 
So our plan in this moderate approach was over the next five years, anything that comes up for a tech refresh, we're gonna say migrate it to the cloud, consider that migration path, and those cost savings would be generated as a result of tech refreshing and moving environments to the cloud. That was one approach over five years. That caught their attention. But then when we talked about this opportunistic approach, just really taking an aggressive stance and saying, how soon do we want to migrate and what the impact could be over three years based upon the application assessment that we did in detail, the savings got even better. So that was the real driver to, to really get our organization to think, you know what, there's real value in moving and migrating to AWS. Not so much why as the, the agility and so forth, but we can actually show with a bottom line number the value of what the cloud can bring. But Dwayne, you didn't just trust these like high level migration path numbers. You actually tried a couple applications and proved out proved yeah. out some of this, right? Absolutely. So one of the things that we did organizationally was I'll say we put our aces in their places. Meaning we, we took the folks who had the desire and the folks who had the skill set who were interested in, in advancing technology and we have a ton of talent in our organization. And we found those individuals, we took them and we actually leveraged small environment applications that we could deploy out in AWS. And what we found by means of automation, innovation, we were actually able to move workloads or environments that drove true value in our organization. For one, we had a, a, an e-commerce platform that would generally take us anywhere from eight to 16 weeks to deploy with automation, using the right technologies within our large enterprise we're not able to deliver that environment in 30 minutes or less. So, but again, we took the right folks, the right resources, and put them in a place where they could be successful. And, and Eric mentioned something that was critical early on in this slide, the foundational capabilities of your organization, building out your VPC structure, security, HIPAA requirements, how you're gonna do all those foundational things enable you to be able to move quickly when you decide to, in our case, put our ACEs in their places. So eight weeks to 30 minutes, that's uh, it's pretty incredible, right, yeah. for an environment that size. Yeah. I, I know the size of that application, and it's, pre it's pretty incredible. So shortcut number two, don't plan for everything before doing something. We went through a, a, a process, took you about two weeks to find out what your total what your total opportunity would be, but you didn't detail every single application that was out there. You didn't go through a, a year-long process and figure out how every application was going to move to the cloud. You recognize your opportunity over two weeks, and then you went and actually did something, right? Yeah, there, there are certain applications and teams within your organization that are more favorable to change, and you have to identify those ones, prove out the value of that transformation, and when they see it and then they experience it, mm -hmm. it's a wrap. Yeah. So is that is that typical with your organization, Dwayne? Are, are, are you, are you no, guys no, a, no. a do, learn, do shop, <laughs> or are you more of a plan, plan, do? I mean, we're, we're the traditional big company, and that's why we started with that enterprise company, which is like the Titanic. We take time, we do it right, we make sure we measure, we analyze everything, right? But in this opportunity, we, we really wanted to get our feet wet, execute a deployment in the cloud, and see the value of it right away. And that's, that's what we're able to do. So again, in order to do that, we had to take the right folks, put them in the right place, so they can execute that strategy. Yeah. I would say this is kind of an anti-pattern for most large enterprise organizations. Typically, we see them trying to plan for everything before they do anything, and that's it's uh, you know, it's 100% or it's nothing, right? So even in those red buckets, those not cloud nows, trying to figure out a solution, kind of wedge them into a corner of non-action, 
right? So uh, being able to do what Dwayne did in Cardinal Health, uh, you know, taking a leap of faith, doing a little bit, taking a little bit of risk, nothing that's going to cripple your business, and being able to learn from that and do more gains the buy-in with the little successes from business partners, and it creates the skill set, I think, within IT that shows future success is possible. Absolutely. Eric, have you been here the whole time? Because it's not an anti-pattern, it's a shortcut. Just want to make sure. But taking those red buckets and moving them to green, let's talk about that, right? Absolutely. Because there was there was still 17% of your, your I'm sorry, 13% of your portfolio that was in those red buckets that we thought was going to be pushed further down 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 the time frame, right? So let's take another look at those application buckets and figure out maybe how we can we can address some of those, right? Mm -hmm. So many existing commercial software solutions, as you saw, that was a large percentage of Dwayne's portfolio across all of the buckets have already been migrated to cloud for you. You just need to go and repurchase them. And I think that, uh, you know, especially at this conference, I've seen a lot of sessions and a lot of people waking up to our AWS marketplace where you can go out and find, test, procure and deploy and manage over 3,000 listings from over 1,100 software vendors. And this team is, we have a, a large team running this, this uh, marketplace now, and they're proactively working with vendors. And by the way, if you have an, an application vendor that you want in the AWS marketplace and you want them to do the work to create the AMI or create the cloud formation template that, that you want to use in the cloud, please reach out to your account manager and, and let them know. And they can get, uh, they can put that in the backlog of this team and they can actually go and start working with, with that, with that vendor once there's enough demand. But as you can see, we're not shy about, about the number of, of software vendors that we're working with right now. Um, we're at, we're adding many applications uh, every every month, and I, I think the 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 cool thing about this is from a replace strategy, you're you're also streamlining your procurement. These once you deploy these applications the, uh, through the AWS marketplace, they're actually showing up on your monthly bill through your through your AWS bill, and not from a bill from another from another customer. Uh, so it's starting to streamline the procurement process. It's starting to streamline your billing your billing process. You're able to allocate that with the same tagging and and, uh, and chargeback strategy or showback strategy that you use inside your enterprise today. And so it really starts to, to streamline a lot, a lot of things. Uh, Eric, how do, you see, how do you see organizations using this, this marketplace in the enterprise space? I think large, most large organizations are actually leveraging this shortcut as the way. This is a common adoption pattern. I think it's starting to uh, help them get to that, from that 87 or X percent to the 100 percent, or at least closer to it. Switch the slide. Uh, I think one of the one of the bigger ones, which is probably surprising to most people, is SAP is probably one of the best examples of this. Uh, so typically, SAP deployments, as everybody knows, are large. They take weeks, uh, even months, to set up an environment just to, for a new version or release of testing or even new enhancements. So we've seen actually large enterprises leverage AWS Marketplace instances of SAP uh, to launch pre-configured deployment of SAP, either for pilots, uh, for testing purposes, uh, for development environments, even production-level workloads on SAP. Uh, they're, they're, enterprises are, are using Marketplace for those kind of workloads. Enterprises like Cardinal Health? Yes. Sure, why not? No, no actually, and it was interesting on the slide, you saw previous Teradata, SAP, some of the large-scale deployments. Typically, you look at those and say, we're not going to move that to the cloud. Mm -hmm. And now you have opportunities with the Marketplace and the capabilities to, to repurchase some of those apps. Those become now candidates that you can leverage on areas where you'd say, at one point, we're not going to move those to the cloud. So. Real value. 
So shortcut number three, repurchasing is your secret weapon. It's not just about AWS Marketplace. It's about working with your vendors that you already use, especially in that COTS landscape, that commercial off-the-shelf landscape, to ask, it, to, to ask them if they can work with you on the cloud to help you accelerate your, your, uh, your cloud adoption strategy. So quickly to review the shortcuts, and then we're going to do uh, a little bit of looking ahead of where this goes. Leverage innovation as a catalyst for cost reduction. Yeah, this is really talking about those two business drivers for cloud adoption, right? So typically you focus on cost savings with or that innovation. Uh, in Dwayne's case, uh, the, you know, yeah, you, through mergers you, and acquisitions, we saw opportunities where we could actually implement this from an innovation, deploy new data centers in countries where we didn't have them. We also saw application, uh, our dev environments for our e-commerce platform, able to transform those innovative solutions from really multiple weeks, eight to 10 weeks, down to 30 minutes. So innovation was really a cost reduction for us. Shortcut number two was don't plan for everything before doing something. Again, this is this is, speaks to don't plan for 100%. There's lots of low-hanging fruit or big fish that you can fry that'll, pro, that'll prove quick successes, drive business value, uh, and in Dwayne's case. Yeah, like put your aces in their places. Find folks who really have the talent, the drive, who want to move and take those opportunities to invest, to invest in uh, moving applications that have value in your organization, whether it be dev, whether it be production, but really putting the right team together, a small group of folks who can execute that is really proved valuable in our case. And then of course, shortcut number three was use repurchasing as your secret weapon to accelerate your cloud migration. Yeah, break those typical expensive licensing consumption models, get into more of a pay-as-you-go model that integrates more closely into your cloud environment. Yeah. Excellent. So where do you go from here? Back to the AWS migration framework, we talked about how this was the beginning of the journey, right? Identifying the total cloud opportunity that you have, uh, doing some planning and discovery, but not too much. Don't get too down into the details. Only get down into the details on five or 10, 20 applications that can prove out your business case for the rest. And then you want to set up this cloud, this cloud migration factory, whereas you can set up a backlog of applications pick the different migration pattern designs that you're going to deploy, build the teams around that skill set. Again, a, a rehost or a, a lift and shift uh, skill set in a, in a migration pattern is going to be much different than a refactor. And refactor and, and a cloud-first design is going to be a little bit longer of a, of a process, but it's going to pay bigger dividends. So you want to make sure that you're picking the right applications to go through that process. An application for a, a, a replatform a, a re or a, a refactor should be something that's revenue generating or lends itself to more of a DevOps, build it, run it, continuous, continuous integration, continuous delivery type application that you're going to want to invest in in the future. Uh, Rehost and lift and shift is really good for getting a lot of value or evacuating out of a data center that, that you may, that you may um, uh, need to do in a short in a short period of time, but as we showed with that cost reduction strategy slide, you're going to want to keep improving that application down down the um, down the value chain, unless you're going to start retiring those applications. So there's a lot of great sessions that that really tee up and and butt up to where where we've ended this journey. Um, if you remember, we're kind of at the edge of that number two. Uh, the other the other related sessions that are are um, done by many of our colleagues here. Are, uh, around, around the AWS migration. The one I want to call out is the one at the bottom, the Develop Your Migration Toolkit. It's the one that's tightest with this, with this presentation. And uh, Carmen and Mandis have a great session uh, about uh, the migration process, including discovery, migration, and operation tools from both AWS 
and our partners that create the easiest glide path for applications to, to move along that, that migration framework. And so I definitely encourage you to, to go and, and, and search online and watch these uh, afterward. And the other, the, the other uh, presentations will, will kind of actually follow, follow Carmen and, and Mandis's uh, Enterprise 312. So with that, that's all we have for you today, but we'd love to stay up here and take some questions.